Hey, everybody. This is Jamin Carter. I'm a pastor at Christ City Church. Thanks for listening to our podcast and being a part of our community in this way. I want to make a special announcement, mainly for our regular attenders and uh, and our partners, because uh, that looks a little bit different these days. So we're trying to get an accurate picture of our budget for 2021, and so we're asking all of our regular attenders and partners to fill out a pledge for 2021 of what you think prayerfully your giving will be for this coming year. And the reason why this is so important is we have a lot of exciting things we're planning for in the year 2021, even though it's it's full of uh, a lot of uh, variables. We've got some great things in the works for uh, when we're worshiping back together at our campus and for the ministry for families and uh, and singles and child uh, care with Christ City Kids and our benevolence policy, still being able to help out folks. We've just got a lot of good things that we're working on and planning for. And we just want to make sure that we plan responsibly and with the appropriate amount of humility. And it'll just really help us no matter what you plan on giving, uh, whether it's uh, a, a big, generous, risky give, or if it's just uh, I'm not able to give at this time, whatever it might be, if you would just go to ChristCity.org forward slash pledge and fill out that form, uh, that will help us to accurately budget for 2021. So thanks, enjoy the message, and hopefully we will see you sooner than later. Bye. So the series that we're in is called Recreate, and um, I really love this series. We, uh, it's about the unique capacity to imagine kinship with God. And that is something that I hold very dear um, as a spiritual director <laughs> and as a, as a child of God. So, and then um, to God, God's ability to create, to create life, and speak it into existence, um, and what it looks like for us to engage God who can do this, and the source of our own potential to shape and reshape reality um, around and within us. Um, so what we've talked about thus far has been God's inherent creativity and his concern for us and our creativity. And then last week was an amazing time of talking about limits and how limits are not uh, constraining to creativity, but actually provide structure and depth for creativity to, to grow and to blossom. So, and we wanna see that creativity in our lives and in our work. So this week, we're talking about um, basically an overview of the movements of the story of Jonah and how that's related to, helps us understand a connection and connecting with others. Um, so first off, uh, Jonah, as I know Jonah, so when I was growing up, I, I was taught Sunday, in Sunday school by my granny. And my granny would tell the story that I think all of us have heard of how in my day it was a whale swallow, swallowed 
uh, Jonah, uh, you may have been in the time where they went, no, it's a big fish, not a whale. <laughs> really doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm going to tell you a story that is not your granny's story, not my granny's story, but the story of Jonah and his relationship with God, his struggle with resentment, his um, desire to see things happen differently than what he thought they should. So, um, or he thought God sh- sh- thought it should. So, first, could you uh, stand for the reading of the word? Hear the word of the Lord. Jonah 3, 1 through 5, and verse 10. Give you just a moment. Okay. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a great, a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God and a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let me pray before I continue. So God, I ask that today, well, earlier I prayed for peace. And I ask that you would extend that to all in our congregation, as was prayed earlier. Uh, And then God, I ask for ears that can hear what you're saying. And I ask that for the whole congregation. And I ask that we walk away knowing better about connecting with each other and the creativity in that. We love you, God. And thank you for loving us. Amen. Okay, so the book of John and I is actually a satire. I hate to break it to you. It's a satire, and there was a prophet Jonah, but that's, this Jonah is not that Jonah. This is a satire, okay, so this would be like bad prophets gone wrong, <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I won't go any further with that. Uh, Jonah is, as a book, is only 47 verses long. It's not very big at all, and um, one of the ways that I read different views of what the book of Jonah was, and I sided with the satire one because the animals even repent. It's like, okay, we're going to really show the satire. This Jonah, this character, is meant to be a satire of all the prophets that didn't get it, 
all the prophets who seemed to have their own sort of their own stuff they wanted to do, but still God would sometimes use them as a mouthpiece, uh, despite themselves, quite honestly. So I want to give you the movements of the story. So because the first few ver verses of chapter 3 that we read are the meat or the core, I just want to give you sort of the movement that was going on. So the first movement is God. God asked Jonah to go and preach against the evil that had come into his presence. And Jonah instead flees opposite and goes, wants to go to Tarshish. I know that we all have heard this story, but the deal is that um, his choices um, are puzzling because the Ninevites are actually the oppressor. And um, a little background about Nineveh itself, and actually it's more uh, future for the time frame, uh, it's background for us. Nineveh is actually the city of Mosul in, I think I'm saying that right, in Iraq, is the city that grew up around Nineveh. And so that area is still highly populated. Nineveh was the capital of the country. And so you would think that Jonah would really want to go and proclaim that they were going to be destroyed. So why in the world did he go to Tarshish? Which I can't even say that town quite right. So he's on the boat. And while he's on the boat, this is movement number two. That's sailors. So while he's on the boat, uh, winds come and the boat is going crazy. And the sailors are like, what? And they're praying to every god that they know, each one of them. They're praying to their gods, and they go and get Jonah, and they say, we've prayed to all the gods we know. Maybe if we pray to your god, that will make a difference. And Jonah says, well, um, I don't know. And they said, well, who is your god? And I said, he is the one who created dry land and the seas. And the sailors understood. They needed to pray to that god, because that's where they were having problems with, were the seas. So they prayed, and it didn't make a difference. And Jonah then, well, then they said, well, what do we do? And Jonah said, Jonah doesn't have the integrity to, to say, well, he does say, I'm causing it. And they do cast lots, and yes, it falls to him. But he doesn't do anything about it. He tells them what they need to do. And so he knows he's in the wrong, but he makes the sailors throw him overboard. And the sailors are like, oh, but God, we don't want to kill your person here. Please don't hold it against us. Don't hold it against us. They had integrity, the sailors. But they threw him over, and Jonah wound up with the fish. Now, whether it's a real fish or not, I don't really want to deal with that because what it represents is Jonah going into the fish or into that, that part of the story was very resistant to everything. And that experience shifted him to acceptance. But really, was it acceptance? That's a good question as we move along. 
The next movement is God. Jonah is then told by God after he's on the shore, go and pro- proclaim the message that I give you. And so Jonah only does really halfway. I mean, he doesn't really want the Ninevites to um, hear uh, God. That's all you can figure. But you know he doesn't like the Ninevites. So, hmm. So what he does is he, it's three days across Nineveh. He goes one day in. And I can see him. It's like he's on a street corner, and he's just saying, you know, repent, repent, God. I, I don't think he's with his whole heart saying this. But here's the deal. <laughs> this is uh, interesting. God just said, their evil has come up before me, so go and proclaim. Jonah says, one day and 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. And the word for overthrown that he used, God didn't use, was hafka. Hafka has multiple meanings. One of the meanings is destroy. The other meaning is change or transform. That was not what Jonah wanted, but that's what happened. So we get there, and I'm going to fast forward a little bit because, you know, what happens is all kinds of uh, fasting and praying, and um, even the animals are repenting. <laughs> and, uh, and so Jonah kind of goes up, and he sits on a hill, and still hopeful, hoping that he's going to get to see the Ninevites destroyed. And he sits there. And this vine grows up and covers him for a day. And the next morning, he's still sitting there. And the vine shrivels. And uh, God says, Jonah, what are you doing here? And Jonah says, I knew this would happen because you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, God. You're a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Whoa, that's a big swing. Hmm. And I can't help but feel like what he has said is really uh, tinged with self-pity, wanting God to feel his feelings instead of dealing with his own feelings and recognizing he needed divine mercy just as the Ninevites did. That's, that's sad. The very thing that he's needing, he's missing out on and he's judging. Okay. So the final thing in the movements is that God uh, brings some reality to Jonah. And he says, um, you know, Jonah, you haven't been concerned about this plant, and you're all angry about the plant dying. Though you didn't tend it, and you didn't make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And 
Should I, have, should I not have been concerned for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? These animals are well-loved, apparently. <laughs> so, and I got a little laughter back there. I love it. <laughs> okay, so... God is trying to help Jonah see differently and connect differently. And he's having such a hard time with that. And a lot of it is because uh, of his resentment. Resentment is a really big emotion. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story about me. In the last three years, I've had two different... Uh, wars with resentment. That's the best way I can call it because resentment sort of takes over everything and it's hard to feel any other feelings but anger and and you and it and it fills the space and people can feel it and you know they're feeling it because there's anger all around you and you don't want to be in anger but you are and um I want to read a couple of things to you. Um, the first thing uh, is um, from the AA Big Red book. This isn't a quote uh, for Matt. I'm just letting you know this isn't the quote. Um, and in the AA, the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, it, they state, resentment is the number one offender it destroys. From, from, it, from it stems all forms of spiritual disease. For we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I, that's how I felt. I had someone the first time I really felt this overwhelming resentment. This friend said to me, in AA, we call it ground zero. And my understanding is that it's like it's scorched earth. It makes it hard for you to move either way. In, um, I'm not an alcoholic, but I am an adult child of an alcoholic parent. And so I'm involved in recovery. And I'm going to, uh, there's, there's another big red book. <laughs> And it's the ACA Big Red Book for those of us who grew up in dysfunctional homes, which, quite honestly, that's probably all of us. But that is a determination for you about you. Not, I'm not judging anyone. Um, I just have found that it's uh, very good and healthy for me to be involved with ACA. So in their book... Resentment, they explain it, resentment is a stored anger caused by innumerable losses, maybe in childhood. Such loss creates grief, appearing as depression in addition to creating stored anger. In ACA, we want to lift up the resentment and see what's underneath it. Why? 
It is important to see the loss beneath the resentment. With resentment, the loss can be the loss of identity, safety, or even childhood experiences of learning to play, imagine, and be spontaneous. For someone who has grown up in a dysfunctional home, resentment, yes, has anger, but shame and abandonment are core threads that have to be recognized. And um, I've been working on those for several, for months now. And um, I've come to the conclusion it's going to be a lifetime thing. But each time I'm healthier and healthier, and I'm grateful for it. But recognizing our need for divine mercy, I mean, that's one of the things that can come out of resentment, is recognizing our need. And so in this sermon, I talk about how recreate is first recovery. And so recognizing your need is a part of recovery. And the next section is reconnect. Because in all the things that we deal with in our own uh, hearts that are hard, a lot of times we break connection or we withdraw. And so we're going to talk a little bit about reconnecting. Um, the people I uh, read a lot for reconnection was Cloudon Townsend's book on boundaries. Um, the first quote from this is, uh, our deepest need is to belong, to be in relationship, to have a spiritual and emotional home. The very nature of God is to be in relationship. God is love, says 1 John 4.16. Love means relationship, the caring, committed connection of one individual to another. Like God, our most central need is to be connected. We are built for a relationship. Attachment is the foundation of the soul's existence. That's some pretty deep, heavy stuff. But it's important that we uh, work on reconnecting. That was the thing that Jonah, I mean, he even physically withdrew and waited to see destruction happen. Um, connection with God, connection with himself, connection with others. And those are the three areas that um, when we talk about reconnecting, that we need to think about. God once said to me, and I know that's usually suspect when someone says, God said to me, <laughs> but I was sitting in my house and I was alone. It was while I was recovering from my knee surgeries and um, I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but it hit me. It's like, it says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, this is how sort of the voice said to me in my head, my imagination, however you want to call it, I think of it as the Holy Spirit, 
How can you love someone else, Diane, if you don't love yourself? And how can you love yourself if you don't let me love you? Those are pretty profound. I can even cry saying it now, not because I feel like, oh, I don't do that, but because it's so moving to me. Letting God love you. It's very different from the gospel that gets preached sometimes. Inviting God into the space that you live in, you breathe in, into the crevices, the cracks of your life. He wants that. She wants that. They want that. God loves us and breathes life into us. And so to do that brings life that we begin to create, be creative in loving ourselves and how we do that. Um, maybe it's um, having, well, this is a very girl thing, I think, but having a bubble bath. <laughs> maybe it's time uh, creating something Immediately, what comes to mind is whittling and creating, doing some woodwork or something. Maybe my brain trying to represent all genders. <laughs> but um, either way we go, things that help us even just sit with God is important. And we need to make time for that. And then reaching out to others we're more equipped to love others if we've done the other two things. <laughs> so boundaries help you to understand your own limits, and that's important. It promotes limits, remember last week, limits that provide structure and clarity and depth for creativity to grow. And that's in relationships, too. It also, boundaries, provide a clean no. Do you know what I mean by that? A clean no means that you uh, don't have a yes in your inner dialogue going, well, but, yeah, but what, uh, you know, you're not, you can say yes and mean yes, or no and mean no. Jonah, he came to acceptance, but he didn't have a clean yes or a clean no. So, and it reminds me of the serenity prayer. And I wrote it out because I always am afraid I'm going to get it wrong because of the phrases. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And in ACA, we say sometimes we shift the prayer a little bit and say the wisdom to know that one that we can change is me. So it becomes really clear that uh, we have to always start with self and trying to figure out if something is wrong or what's going on, that kind of stuff, and not pointing outward. We take care of, we take care of ourselves so we can have clarity and creativity in our relationships. 
So we were made for relationships and to grow in those relationships. Cloud and Townsend recognized that. And this is the final quote. We need people. We must have places where, you must have places where you are connected, where you are, where you are and loved unconditionally. It's not, it's only from that place of being rooted and grounded in love, Ephesians 3.17, that you can safely begin learning to tell the truth. That's the connection we all long for. So, and that connection is with God, with ourselves, and with others. <laughs> so, before I, before I pray and end the sermon, I just want to say, if you're interested in exploring and reading the Boundaries book, just email me, Diane at ChristCityMemphis.org, and we'll see if there's a group of us that would like to do that. So, yeah, so let's pray. God, I thank you for your love and care. I thank you that you want our creativity, you love our creativity, and uh, you want us to grow in relationships. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>